Well, we are talking from the uh, book of Micah. If you want to open up your uh, scripture to the book of Micah, we continue to go through the Old Testament minor prophets. And we see that the Lord here is our uh, deliverer. This, uh, this book can be broken up into three different sections, all beginning with the word here. So we have the word here in uh, chapter 1, verse 2. Then we have the word here again in chapter 3, verse 1. And then we have the word here again in chapter 6, verse 1. So Micah is, is preaching here to the, to the people. He has gotten done speaking to Israel. His focus, his attention is not primarily on the northern kingdom, but it is going to be on the southern kingdom. This is a society that seems to be doing okay. There is wealth in the land. People are doing fairly fine. And yet it is a desperate society. When we talk about the word desperate here, we don't mean that they're desperate for something, but desperate in the sense of very bad or grave or critical. These people are in a bad situation. There is the disease of sin that has crept over the entire land, and there is judgment that is coming. And so now Micah turns. He has been speaking to Israel, and now he turns and he is speaking now to the southern kingdom, this kingdom of Judah, and he is looking at their officials. And he says that the officials, the officials have become a law to themselves. They themselves are unlawful. They themselves are criminal. They themselves are feeding on the people. Instead of feeding the people and taking care of them, the leaders of this society have become corrupt. These are corrupt politicians. And he talks about them in the most stark and stunning terms. When he talks about these leaders and their political corruption, he talks about them actually eating the people. Reminds us of... Um, the Lord of the Rings, when uh, Smeagol, who later becomes Gollum in that picture, is eating this fish, and there is blood that is coming down the sides of his mouth. So as he's as he is as he's eating it, and there's this uh, disgusting sound that he's making, even as he's eating, there's blood and juices that are running down his face. And Micah comes and he says to these political leaders, this is what you are doing to the people. You're not just mistreating them. You're skinning them alive. You're unjust. Instead of loving what is righteous, and instead of loving what is just, you love corruption. You love fraud. You love blood. You love mistreating the people. This was the covenant people of God. If there were ever leaders that should have been treating the people with respect and who knew the law of God and how to treat the people with justice and dignity, it was these leaders. 
Sometimes we talk about the other nations. They were not under. They did not have this specific law given to them, but Israel did. And its leaders had been appointed by God, and they knew how to treat the people. Instead of treating the people with kindness and with justice and with respect, they were mistreating them, and it was a horrible place to live, to be shaken down by the leaders. I'll never forget when we crossed from Thailand into Cambodia, and we were supposed to pay a certain fee to get into the nation of Cambodia to, to then minister. And all of these officials, there was this room behind these gated windows and as each one of us step up, stepped up, we knew that we were going to have to end up paying more than the actual price we were going to be extorted, and that's exactly what happened. They said, well, try to pay the, the normal official price if you can do that. If they let you get away with that, then great, but of course they didn't. And thinking we are at the complete mercy of these corrupt leaders. Who's to say that one of them does not accuse us of something and now we can't even speak the language and then being thrown into jail. I remember as I was leaving the nation, I had my finger operated on by the missionary doctor who was there. My hand was still recovering from the anesthesia. And as I was leaving, we had to give fingerprints and my hand was shaking like this. And I was trying to get it still because I was worried that they were going to say something was wrong. We need to talk to this guy. So I'm like this, like, Stop. Stop shaking. And thinking about if, if they thought something was wrong and I get pulled in, who is, going, who is going to stop them? It's a horrible feeling when you're at the mercy of tyrannical leaders. Leaders who no longer care about the people. And that's what was going on here in the southern kingdom. The northern kingdom was about to be taken away in 722. The southern kingdom here was hanging on for dear life. And Micah says, he says to the heads of Judah, verse 1, and I said, Hear you heads of Jacob and rulers of the house of Israel. Is it not for you to know justice? Aren't you leaders? Aren't you the covenant leaders of Israel? Shouldn't you know what justice is, what it looks like, and yet you don't? You hate the good. You don't want to be told about the good. You don't want to have good laws. You don't want to treat the people righteously and rightly, but you love evil. And then here he gets into this, uh, this flesh-eating analogy when he says, you're the ones who tear the skin off from my people and their flesh from off their bones, who eat the flesh of my people. You are eating the sheep. You have blood on your cheeks. It's dripping down your chin. You flay their skin from off of them and break their bones in pieces and chop them up like meat in a pot and like flesh in a cauldron. He says, you guys, are, you guys are corrupt to the core. And the nation, as a result of it, is suffering and is primed for the judgment of God. And then he turns to the prophets. These are the, the ministers. And these are the people, these are the men who are supposed to be feeding people faithfully the word of God. And yet they're not. 
In fact, they are not called. They are not sent. These are pretend ministers. These are phony ministries. So you have corrupt leadership in this day in the kingdom of Judah, and you also have corrupt ministers. And the Lord says concerning the prophets, it's the prophets who should have been hearing from the Lord, but they're not listening to the Lord. They are speaking their own mind. He says to them, instead of leading the people to God, notice what he says in verse 5. Thus says the Lord concerning the prophets who lead the people astray, who cry peace when they have something to eat. As long as their bellies are full, as long as they have money, they'll say everything's okay. They'll give a message that everybody wants to hear. They'll tickle people's ears. It's a false ministry. It's not a ministry from the Lord. It looks like a genuine ministry. You've got the building. You've got people that are said to be preaching, but they're not really preaching. They're preaching their own mind. They're preaching peace. They're preaching success. They're preaching self-help if you help yourself. And when they finally do get to sin, it's not really sin. It's like trying to repent of the sin of not forgiving yourself enough, of being too hard on yourself. We're going to talk about sin today, but it's not genuine sin. So we'll talk about things like allowing people to mistreat you. That's sin. But it's not really sin, and it's not really a message from God. It's all of these superficial, surface-level messages that simply have to do with you, how you can have a better life, how you can improve yourself, how you can learn to forgive yourself, ignoring the real problems of the day, not actually tackling the sins of the day, so we ignore them. It's amazing how many ministries will not touch the social sins of that day. They'll talk about sins of years past. They'll talk about the dangers of Nazi Germany. They'll talk about this, and they will talk about that. But when it comes to really addressing sin, they say, no, no, that's not, that's not my ministry. That's not really what I've been called to do. I have been called to simply give messages that are encouraging Messages that are uplifting, messages that make people feel good about themselves. And so we all sit and we listen to a message and it's me-centered. We hear it and we're listening to this and we're thinking something, something is not quite right here. Something, something has gone terribly wrong. We might have the smoke machines and the great lights we have something that looks like a sermon and kind of sounds like a sermon. But in the end, the people leave empty. They are wondering where the voice of God was. And so Micah is coming and he's saying to the prophets of Judah, he's saying, you're prophesying, but you're not really giving the words 
of God. You're not after what the Lord has sent you to do, but you are simply interested in preaching what you want and what the people want. And as long as you have food in your stomachs, you're okay. Philippians chapter 3, if you go over to Philippians chapter 3, Philippians chapter 3, verse 19. Philippians chapter 3. Paul has been warning people in the church about those who are going to come into the church, false teachers. He calls them in verse 18. They walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. He says their end is destruction, and then he goes on to say this, very similar to what Micah is saying here. He's saying their, their God is their belly, and they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. Listen, we've got, we've got a real issue here today, even in, in our nation, and it looks a lot like Micah's day where we have thousands and thousands of people still going to church. And yet often the sermons are devoid of any true content. The sermons and the messages are simply designed based upon the latest marketing strategy and what people are going to want to hear. And so we have all these different things. We have sat around and we have strategized and we have thought about how are we going to get people into the church? How are people going to like us? How are we going to say a message that is relevant so that people say, I think I'll try this out again? Something's desperately wrong. It's possible to have a church building and a crowd. It's possible to have something that looks like a sermon and yet not have a church at all, and not have any genuine preaching. Micah goes on to say, therefore it shall be in verse 6, he says, it shall be night to you, and as Micah chapter 3, without vision and darkness to you, without divination, the sun shall go down on the prophets, and the day shall be black over them. He then sums up this whole thing, so you have false, phony, prophets, you have corrupt leadership. He sums this up in verse 11 when he says, its heads give judgment for a bribe, its priests teach for a price, its prophets practice divination for money. Yet here's the thing, they use, they use the language of the Bible, they use the language of God, they use the language of the Lord. Yet they lean on the Lord. So it's sneaky. Somebody could be listening to this and saying, well, they, they use a Bible verse. They, they open the Bible every now and then, or at least it perhaps is up on a screen. They lean on the Lord after giving all these false messages, after giving all of these false prophecies. They, they lean on the Lord and say, is not the Lord in the midst of us? No disaster shall come upon us. So he's giving this bleak picture of the leadership of Judah, and he's also giving a very bleak picture of the prophets there in Judah. 
But then he goes on to give what a true ministry looks like in verse 8. He says this, But as for me, I am filled with power. So he says, real preaching, true messages from the Lord, are messages that come with power. And it's not necessarily a guy who's up there yelling and screaming at the people. It's not necessarily tied with a person's passion. But it has to do with power that comes from a person being on their knees. And saying, oh Lord, we're tired of all the false ministries. God, we're, we're tired. We, we've, seen, we've seen what is said to be church, and Lord, we know in the core of our being, we've seen it where thousands go in and thousands leave just as empty, and over time, Lord, those church doors are going to close down and nobody's going to go back anymore because, Lord, they're not experiencing your power. And so this person gets on his knees and says with the church, Lord Jesus, would you send your power? God, would you come through the power? Notice what he says, of the Holy Spirit. He says this, but as for me, I am filled with power, with the Spirit of the Lord. This is Yahweh, the covenant name for God. yod vav Yahweh. This is the Lord who comes. This is the only true God. And he says he comes with justice and might. Now notice what the message is here. The message might not be a popular message. So this person, the man of God, comes filled with power, comes filled with the spirit of Yahweh. This is the anointed ministry of the Holy Spirit. He comes with justice and might, so he's declaring the truth. And here's what the content of the message is going to be about. To declare to Jacob his transgression. And to Israel, his sin. If there's anything a genuine ministry is, it's when the preaching talks directly about sin. So the preacher or the prophet is not skating over sin. He's not talking about false sins that really aren't sins. But he's going directly not as an angry, fleshly, carnal pastor, carnal prophet, carnal preacher. But there's a beauty in conviction. And so the Lord knows we're stuck. He knows we've sinned. And what we need is a word from God that directly addresses our sin so that we might be healed. And so oftentimes what we hear is we hear messages and we come away and we go, there's no conviction, there was no power according to Micah. There was no anointing of the Holy Spirit. Boy, that guy, he danced all around the stage. But there was no direct conversation with God and me, as we were listening to the word of God, and God was speaking directly about this sin and that sin. And he comes in this sweet, beautiful presence because he loves us. 
And he puts his finger directly on the things in our life, and he says, I don't want you to avoid them anymore. I don't want you to continue to circle around your sin. I want you to stop trying to just feel good about yourself. Trying to forgive yourself is not going to help you. Trying to learn another lesson about self-love is not going to help you. Not allowing people to mistreat you is not the answer to your problem. The answer to your problem is the Holy Spirit coming with directness and with beautiful power as he opens our heart and he exposes us before the Lord. He has torn us, listen, he has torn us that he might heal us. And so a genuine Christian is one who's been torn. A genuine ministry is somebody who comes into gentleness and yet the power of the Holy Spirit and speaks directly to the problem so that people might fall on their faces before the Lord and say this, Lord, would you clean me out? Lord, clean me out. Listen, we can tell the difference. You can tell the difference. Spare us of all the smoke machines. Nothing wrong with smoke machines. But listen, you can have a dozen smoke machines. You can have the most elaborate, beautiful building, and yet no one is cut to the heart. No one is delivered. And yet here in Micah, God is saying over and over again, Yahweh, Yahweh, Yahweh. I want to deliver you. This is the theme of the book of Micah. The Lord wants to deliver us. Listen, he wants to deliver us from boring ministries. He wants us to be delivered from bad preaching. He wants us to be delivered from messages that really don't help us. Everyone says, oh, that was wonderful. We all feel really good, but no one. Listen, there's no conviction. There's no power. There's no anointing. MacArthur says this, he says, whatever happened, he says, whatever happened to the man of God? Whatever happened? Whatever happened to the man with a Bible who's been on his knees with other people who are on their knees, who are crying out to God, oh God, speak to us, oh God, deliver us. God, unless you come, Lord, we're having this big birthday party, but the birthday boy isn't even there. Lord, help us. Lord, we're trying to have church without God. Lord, we're trying to sing songs without your presence. Lord, we're trying to have preaching without power, without conviction. God, would you come? And Micah is saying, listen, there's a big difference. You have lots of churches. You have lots of synagogues. You have temple. You have all sorts of teaching, all sorts of prophets, all sorts of people are speaking in the name of God, but they've missed something. God's not even there. And that's why he says even in this chapter, he says, they're going to cry out to God. God's not even listening. Oh, the judgment of God. Listen, we know the judgment of God. We know the judgment of God when he's silent. When he's silent. When we're having this big party like the prophets of Baal who are running around this altar, wearing themselves out, wearing themselves out. Let's, let's try to dance around this thing one more time. And God is saying, look, I'm, I'm not even there. Oh, that God would rend the heavens and that he would come down. That he would speak to his people once again. There, are, there have been times in, in my life where <clears throat> I sit there and I think to myself, this is, 
This is God speaking. This is the Lord ministering to my heart. This is the anointing of the Holy Spirit. I think of men like Leonard Ravenhill. You get up there with a Bible. He says, I've been praying. I've been praying. Lord, deliver us. Lord, speak to us. Lord, come in your power. Don't, don't allow us to settle for anything less. Lord, we need you. Listen, there are, there are people all over this congregation that are saying, I need this. I have this problem. I've got this hurt. The only thing that's going to minister to that is the Lord. It's no man. And so Micah is saying, this is a, this is a desperate situation. This is a bad situation. But then he looks forward, and he looks forward to the future, and he goes all the way to even what is beyond us, to the final days, the last days in chapter 4, when people are going to love biblical teaching. And it's not only certain people are going to love it, but the nations are going to love it. Notice chapter 4, verse 1 and 2. And it shall come to pass in the, in the latter days, this is the last days, that the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established as the highest of mountains, and it shall be lifted up above the hills. And here it is, and people shall flow to it. So he has this picture. Now notice verse 2, and many nations shall come. And say, come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may do what? That he may teach us his ways. Teaching. That he may teach us his ways. That we, we may walk in his paths, for out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. And this beautiful picture of the next age that is going to enter in when Christ comes back again. And the picture is Christ coming and the nations streaming to be taught the word of God. They're so hungry. And they are no longer settling for what is fake or what is false. But here is the nation of America, here is the nation of Syria, here is the nation of China, all streaming to Israel in the latter days, in the last days. They are coming to hear the word of God being taught. He says this is this beautiful time of peace. This is the millennium and then into the future, final state of things. There's going to be no more war according to verse 3 of chapter 4. They're going to put down their weapons. According to verse 4 of chapter 4, they're going to have their own properties. Verse uh, 4 there talks about them being underneath their, their own vine on their own property. This is, uh, this is the future time that we wait for, this future of peace. Micah is saying, come Lord Jesus, bring on this day. So he's talking here about sin, he's talking about the fact that they are in this society where there's a lot of false teaching going on, but then he is looking forward to the day when there is going to be nothing but pure teaching. People are going to be streaming from all of the nations of the world to hear the pure teaching of Christ. No more war, property ownership, 
the question is, how is all of this going to happen? Because we don't just go from an age of sin to an age of peace automatically. That's not how it works. We don't. God isn't up in heaven and he says, listen, I'm going to uh, have this time where you guys are going to go through a hard time here, lots of sin, um, no good teaching, you're going to go through all of this, and then all of a sudden in the last days there's going to be this wonderful, peaceful time. No, that's not what happens. There must come someone who is going to bring about this final age, who is going to bring about the changing of people's hearts, who is going to bring in the last days. And that's the Lord Jesus Christ. And he comes in in this unexpected way, in this unusual way in chapter 5. Go over to chapter 5. So you have this time of sin, this time of false teaching. Then you have Micah looking forward thousands of years to when the Lord is going to bring about this time of peace. He says now in chapter 5, verse 1, he says, Now muster your troops, O daughter of troops. Siege is laid against us. With a rod they strike the judge of Israel on the cheek. But here it is. But you, O Bethlehem, Ephratah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth from me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from old, from ancient of days. So he's talking about this future time. He's talked here about these false preachers. He's talked about the time in the future, thousands of years from that point, when there is going to be peace that rules, people streaming to Jerusalem to hear the word of God. And now he says there's going to be one who comes, who makes this all possible, who brings this about. And it's going to come from one who is born in this little unknown town, this town of Bethlehem. And so in Luke chapter 2, you have Joseph, who needs to be registered. And he travels from Galilee in the north, and he goes to the south, all in order to fulfill the scripture, to fulfill the word of the Lord that the Lord might be born in Bethlehem. So the place of the Lord's birth is this little unknown town. And here comes the Messiah, the one who Micah prophesies is going to bring in this age of peace and this, this time of great prosperity. From you shall come forth from me one who is to be ruler. So this one is going to rule, but he's not going to fillet the sheep and feed on the sheep with uh, blood coming down his, his face. But he's going to feed the sheep. He's going to be the perfect ruler where the rulers of Israel had failed. Christ is going to come and he's going to be the perfect ruler, this one who is from Bethlehem. And not only is he going to be the perfect ruler, he's also going to be the perfect pastor, the perfect preacher. 
where the preachers had failed to preach the word of God. Verse 4 says, And he shall stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and they shall dwell secure, for now he shall be great to the ends of the earth. And this is exactly what the Lord did. If you go over to Mark chapter 1, Mark chapter 1, Mark chapter 1. He's the faithful ruler, and he is also the faithful preacher. Mark chapter 1, verse 38. He said to them, let us go on to the next towns, that I may preach there also, for that is why I came out. He came to preach. Notice chapter 2, verse 2 of Mark. Chapter 2, verse 2. And many were gathered together so that there was no more room, not even at the door. And he was preaching the word to them. So here's, here's what we have. We have Jesus Christ, where Israel had failed. Jesus Christ comes, and he is the perfect, consummate preacher, one who is completely faithful to the word of God, unswerving in his preaching. Now the question is, what is preaching? By the way, I'm going to close here in just a minute or so. We are, we are getting late. We've done so much here. What is preaching? If you go back to Nehemiah, 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 Nehemiah chapter 8, Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 3. So, what is faithful preaching? Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 2. So Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly, both men and women, and all who could understand what they heard. On the first day of the seventh month, and he read from it facing the square before the water gate from the early morning until midday, in the presence of the men and the women, those who could understand. And the ears of all the people were attentive to the book of the law. And Ezra the scribe, verse 4, stood on a wooden platform that they had made for the purpose. And then if you skip down to verse 8, they read from the book, from the law of God, clearly, and they gave the sense so that the people understood the reading. Here's what preaching is. It's reading the Bible in public and explaining it. That's all it is. It's coming before the people and saying, this is the word of God. We read it. We read it clearly. We give it sense. And we understand the meaning. That is all it is. And so here comes the Lord, and he's a Bible man, and he's preaching the word. Mark chapter 1, he says, I've come to preach. Mark chapter 2, he preaches the word to them. 
In the beginning of the Gospel of Matthew, he's having a battle with the devil. And he says three times to the devil, it is written. Over and over again, he battles the enemy with the word of God, it is written. Now, a number of um, months ago, I had uh, begun talking about having a pulpit. And there's nothing necessarily sanctified or special about having a pulpit. But there's a symbolism here that says this. What this church is about is about two things. Number one, the power of the Holy Spirit. What we just read in Micah, the power of the Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. And the preaching and the teaching of the Word of God. These two things, the power of the Holy Spirit and the preaching of the Word. And symbolically, we wanted something that showed that the center of this church is the Word of God. So whether somebody is behind it or not, that we know that what this church revolves around is the clear reading of the Scripture and then the clear explaining of the Scripture so that we hear it and we understand it. That's what it is. And as people come in, they say, this is the center. We have a constant reminder here before us of what is the center of the church. And this is God's holy word that God has so clearly spoken to us. And what we need to come back to over and over again is having the word of God wash over us. It is written. I wanted a wood pulpit. There are... Um, all different kinds of pulpits right now. There are the ones with the fancy uh, metal pipes and all of that. And, and um, there's plexiglass pulpits. And uh, there's nothing wrong with any of those pulpits. There's nothing wrong. I remember Dr. Moon in our Bible college said, give me a wood pulpit. And there's something, I think, a bit of a resistance that says, instead of just going with the modern way of things where... Everything is just done in order to simply get people into the church. We know there's nothing special, anointed, unique about a wood pulpit. But simply a small act of resistance that says, no, we are not going to simply give in to whatever is going to simply try to get people into the church. But Lord, let this be a reminder that the center of your church is your word. And Lord, even let us remember that the wood that has made this pulpit is symbolic of the wood that you were hung on as you were crucified on that tree. Lord, help us. Lord, open our ears that we may hear your word clearly. Would you stand with me as we close? Father, we thank you for uh, the word of God that is so true and righteous. Lord, if there's anything that we need, it's your word. Lord, Micah comes and he says, the leaders are corrupt, the prophets aren't preaching the word. He envisions a time when people from every nation are going to stream to Jerusalem to hear the preaching of the word of God. And then he tells us who is that consummate 
preacher, the Lord Jesus Christ, who comes from the tiny town of Bethlehem. And he comes with a word in his mouth. He comes with the word of the Lord, the word of Yahweh. Lord, help us to be Bible people. People who are clinging to your word, people who receive your word. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.